All right, Pittsburgh Steelers fans, we are back for part two of the Pittsburgh Steelers post-game podcast. I'm Jeff Hartman, co-editor of BehindTheSteelCurtain.com with Dave Schofield and Brian Anthony Davis as we continue to break down the 38-7 shellacking. The Steelers whoop up on the Browns at Heinz Field. They cap off a four-straight homestand. They're 5-0 and on the season, getting ready to go into week seven in a three-game road trip coming up for the black and gold. And we're talking about the defense gentlemen. Let's take a look at that defense. Holy mackerel. Baker Mayfield's stat line, 10 for 18, 119 yards, a 6.6 average, one touchdown, two picks. Could have been three, if not for uh, Hayden's um, illegal contact penalty. He was sacked four times for 20 yards with a rating of 54.9. I got to say it, though. Brian Anthony Davis's his long-lost son, Case Keenum, got in there. 5 for 10, 46 yards, 4.6 average, no sacks with a rating of 62.9. Let's take a look at the quarterback hits. The Steelers finished with seven, and they finished with four sacks on the game. Rushing, the Cleveland rushing attack. Kareem Hunt, 13 carries for 40 yards, a 3.1 average. Uh, Dontrell Hilliard had 29 yards, a lot of those in garbage time. They end up rushing for 75 yards on the day. Let's start with the defensive front. Defensive front. Brian, what's your grade? Phenomenal. A. I mean, look, they shut down Kareem Hunt. And I don't care if Kareem Hunt is not a true number one starter. He was in Kansas City. He comes over here with Nick Chubb. He's it's a one A and one B, basically. It's that situation. Nick Chubb would have been shut down today as well. The Steelers running defense is just absolutely incredible. Alu Alu was all over the place. Stefan Tuit was just, he was all over the place. And I got to tell you, he was, he would have been one of my defensive players of the game. He actually is one of my defensive players of the game, but I've got uh, two rated above, rated higher above him. Tuit was a monster. Then you throw in Cam, who is Cam. They've made those, those key stops, especially that one on fourth and one, you know, phenomenal game by these guys. Dave Schofield, grade. Oh, that's an A plus for them. I mean, come on. They're I mean, their average was 68 yards a game coming into it, and they only gave up 75, would have been well below that average if it wasn't for the garbage time stuff. And they couldn't get to the quarterback any more times towards the end of the game because the game was so far out of hand, there was no reason for I mean. When you're up on a team, you think you're going to get more sacks because they have to throw the ball. It wasn't even worth throwing the ball for Cleveland in the, in the fourth quarter because it was already over. It, yeah. It's just, what can you do? I mean, they dominated. A plus. I don't like to give out A pluses unless I feel it was a flawless performance. That was pretty darn flawless. It was the fourth and short performances that just really oh were eye opening. There was no Kareem Hunt didn't have anywhere to even breathe. I mean, he literally got the ball and was being met two yards deep behind the line of scrimmage. It was phenomenal. Absolutely awesome to see. Um, I'm just looking at some of the defenders here. Um, tackles for losses. The Steelers had six. Holy wow, that's a lot. All right. Um, let's look at some sacks. I want to go over the pass rushing here. Stefan Tuitt and Devin Book get credit with a half a sack. Bud Dupree gets two. Cameron Sutton gets one. They total four. Guys, how do you grade? Like I said, quarterback hits seven. How do you grade the pass rush? It's a little bit different. Okay. So, I mean, to the front, yeah, but if you're just looking strictly at the pass rush, what are your thoughts on the pass rush, Brian? Doesn't Maybe, that, you, don't have, you don't have to give it a grade, but just your thoughts. 
you know, they really didn't go back to pass that often. They were thrown off of this game so early, but the pass rush was there. And I don't really feel like the uh, the Browns on offensive on their offensive line really controlled the Steelers at all. It was there, and they finally called a penalty as far as a holding, but they missed a few uh, on <laughs> Watt especially. I mean, so yeah. they they really could have had seven or eight. They could have doubled that that stat of four, but still, that's a really good stat. Twenty four sacks over five games. But they continue to bring it. They instill fear in the other team. And this was complete from the front seven. Before we get to Dave's thoughts on the pass rush, Christian Cahill, I hope I said that correctly, puts $5 in the tip jar. He said, I'm so happy. I live in Columbus, Ohio, and I can give everyone the people's eyebrow at work tomorrow. By the way, trade for Barron with the late pick. Knows He knows the defense. Christian, first and foremost, don't give him the eyebrow. Give him the elbow, all right? Give him the elbow. Get him on the ground. Throw the uh, throw the elbow pad out into the stands. Do it the right way. Almost like uh, what was it? Who was the the office linebacker? Come on, Brian. I know you remember this. What was the Ter- linebacker? Terry, Terry Tate. Terry Tate, the office linebacker. That's what you need. <laughs> so great. And I'm not on board though with Christian side of bringing in Baron. Um, not only is he on a team, he's with the Denver Broncos, but. I don't, I don't want him back. I'll, I'll literally go with Spillane and um, UG3 and even Marcus Allen before I would have to do that. So you got to yeah. turn those reports in on time. <laughs> Hi, Janice. <laughs> Terry Tate, obviously. Dave, do you remember that? You're looking at it like you don't remember what we're talking about. Oh, no, I do. I, uh, yeah, I, I didn't remember right. the name. I did not remember the name, though. So I'm glad Brian did. You got to file those TPC words. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Dave, go ahead. Pass rush. What were your, what were your thoughts on that? Um, I like the pass rush. Like TJ Watt, once again, he, on the stat line, three tackles, no sacks, you know. Of, but at the same time, he was disrupting a lot of stuff. Yeah. And once again, see, it's frustrating because you can block a guy in the back if you have your hands on him and he spins. That you're allowed to do. You are not allowed to bear hug him. Once again, whenever Watt spins, they think they could just grab a hold of him all the way around him, and it's okay, and it is not, and it's not getting called. And until it gets called, teams are going to continue to do it, and it's kind of frustrating. But you know what? As I, I should stop. Y'all get back to it. The pass rush, I'm going to give it a B plus because there were a couple times that they, I mean, they should have had six or seven sacks and yeah. they didn't quite get it finished. The streak continues though, in terms of games yes. with the sack, um, they have, I don't know how many now, Dave, do you know that number? Uh, the, the number of games games with a sack 62. Holy moly. 62 regular season games. It has to be regular season because there's a playoff. game, And that's a record game. now that, Okay, Brian knows this is going to take an explanation. A lot of people are saying that second place all time behind 69 in Tampa that was in the early 2000s. That's if you're only looking at statistics from 1983 when they made the official, when they made sacks the official stat. I think they're either, I think they're fourth now if you look at sacks all time because the number one is actually the Detroit Lions had 75 from 1960 to 1965. But that was before sacks were an official statistic, although they still have the records of them. Okay. There's your explanation. Um, and then I'm glad that um, 
Oh, shoot. I forgot what the other streak was that you brought up. Anyways, well, I'll think about it. Okay, I thought the pass rush – look, I know that T.J. Watt's shoulder is probably nagging him. You know, I mean, he missed practice this week, was limited at, at one point. The defense is becoming like what we talked about in week one. It's, it is a pick your poison. So, okay, you want to take out T.J. Watt – He's still going to create opportunities for other people. I thought Stefan Tuit was phenomenal. This was one of the best games I've seen him play. He was disruptive. He was held a whole heck of a lot and still no calls. Um, <laughs> my my mel- mel- melanated scope, I think I'm saying that right, 299, he says, when do we get the this one's for Miles shirt? I would, I'm really <laughs> tempted to send an email about that, but at the same time, they still play him later this week, this season. I don't know. What do you guys think about that? It's week I... 17 when they play. Him. Oh, that's so... a good point. This one's for miles. Maybe I'll send an email. Maybe you'll see that on the site tomorrow. You'll probably see that on the site. tomorrow. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you will. You've got to. <laughs> All right. Um, okay. Let's move on now. Let's talk about the secondary a little bit. So again, Mayfield only threw the ball 18 times. Keenum threw it 10 Boy, were they thrown off early, though, like you guys mentioned. With think it's, it's Minka Fitzpatrick's pick six changed everything, and then they were just harassing it. It, it was really a dominating performance from the secondary. Past defenses, there were seven total. Minka had one, Tyson Alawalu, Terrell Edmonds, Cam Sutton, Joe Hayden with three. That's interesting. Um, in terms of you're looking at the receiving yards for the uh, Browns, Austin Hooper, five for 52. Boy, he got punished some, man. He got popped Ooh. on a couple occasions. <clears throat> Excuse me, Jarvis mm-hmm. Landry, three for 40. Odell Beckham Jr., two for 25. Odell Beckham Jr. just took himself out of the game, took his shoes off. He put on some sneakers on the sideline. Good for him. Uh, Kareem Hunt, two for 17. Higgins had the lone touchdown for the Cleveland Browns. O- Odell Beckham Jr. is and always will be a complete nut job. Period. He had a heck of a talent, but he's going to implode this year. Get ready for it. Just saying. Oh, yeah. Uh, Brian, what's your thoughts on the secondary? I was expecting T.O. on the sidelines um, with the, with the whole from 2004. I was expecting that kind of meltdown from uh, Odell Beckham Jr. And Jarvis Landry, too. I mean, something's going on in LSU because those are nut job wide receivers coming out of that place. And Jarvis Landry... He played like a punk a whole lot in that game. So I will tell you that. So my question, uh, but as far as the defense and the secondary, was that the question on the secondary? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Sorry I just grade got, him. What would you grade him? Really, there's no there's no way that I really can't give him give him a high grade. I, I'm gonna go ahead with a B plus. Um, it still wasn't complete. There was some there were some breakdowns. Uh a couple guys were wide open, especially Higgins on that play. Um, so I'm going to go B plus, but I thought uh, they were back. They did a lot better. I, I'm pleased. Dave, what are your thoughts? What's your grade for the secondary? I'm going with a B plus as well, because there was a lot of things that I really liked that they did that was an improvement. But like Brian said, there were a couple times where there were some guys just wide open uh there was a breakdown where i think hooper got a got a long pass on the sidelines where they had where they, where they basically had guys on three levels and only two guys to cover it the touchdown reception he was wide open and the last play of the third quarter 
which was their only first down of the quarter, which was Case Keenum hit someone wide open across the middle. So there was a couple times. And remember, all it takes when it comes to the secondary sometimes is one breakdown and you're giving up six points. Luckily, that I know of three breakdowns and they only gave up the total was six points, not six on each one of them. So there's still some improvement on that end. But as the overall and third down production and everything else, they, they've made a lot of good steps there. Breaking news from Adam Schefter is that Devin Bush has a torn ACL just being confirmed. So not good news for the Pittsburgh Steelers, for those that were looking to us to deliver that news. Obviously, if you're listening in playback, then this is probably already already on it. I'm getting Mr. Michael Beck on it as we speak for the website. Uh, maybe David Schofield could help him out if he needs a hand. Uh, but other, other than that, I think that the secondary shoot, guys, come on. I'm going to give him an A. I'm going to give him an A. We've been bashing this group the entire season in today's national football league, you're going to give up a play here or there. If we're talking about a lone Austin Hooper catch or one, they gave up seven points. I'm giving them an a absolutely dominating performance all around. And yeah, it sounds crappy that we're like, Hey, you like, like like Brian said, Oprah, you get a's, you get a's, everyone gets a's (laughs) at the same time. That's the the type of game it was. I mean, these are the good ones. These are the ones you can sit back. I mean, gosh, they they got Ben Roethlisberger out of the game and had Mason Rudolph in there in the fourth quarter. This is what we always say we want to see. We want to see dominating. I wrote this article before the game actually even started. It was early this morning. Every week at SB Nation, they do an SB Nation Reacts post. And you can sign up and you can be a part of it. Basically, they send you an email. It takes a couple seconds to go through and click on some answers. And one of the questions always is, is how is your confidence level in your favorite team, the Steelers, heading into week seven? The Steelers keep winning, and yet the Steelers fan confidence is just like this, slowly declining. I'm like, what in the heck is going on? People have been saying, I read the comments in the article, They wanted that dominant performance. They hated how the Eagles stuck around. They hated how the Texans came out and blew their doors off early, but then they came back in the second half. They hated how Jeff Driscoll made it a game against Denver in week two. And they hated how they kind of just let Danny Dimes and Daniel Jones just hang around in week one. Guys, this is what we've all wanted. We've been waiting for this performance. This is a confidence booster for the team and for the, the fan base. Brian, they should be pretty confident, right, heading into week seven? They, they've got to be. And I don't want to hear about, well, it's they're, they're facing a 5-0 team in Tennessee. It's on the road. It's dangerous. No, man, I'm telling you what. They shut down Barkley. They shut down Hunt. They shut down Gordon. They shut down Sanders for the most part. They shut down uh, David Johnson. They are shutting down running backs, the strength of the Tennessee Titans. Running backs, you've got to be excited about the first 5-0 team in 42 years. You've, Jeff, you hit on the head. They got a dominant win. This was nothing short of dominant. 38-7, this is what we've been asking for, and they haven't been giving it to us. We've got it. All bets are off now. They're there. Yeah, absolutely. Now Dave's busy, so I'm going to get – let's go over some teams. Oh, I'm still here. Okay, he's still here. <laughs> hey, do your work. Um, the This team statistics, I always love looking at this stuff. So third down efficiency. The Steelers held the Browns. Listen to this. One for 12 on third downs defensively today. One for 12. That's remarkable. Fourth down efficiency, zero for three. My goodness, that defense today was just tremendous. On offense, Pittsburgh, meh. Third down, five for 14, not 
you know, they're not, it's not 500. Um, and then fourth down efficiency, two for two. So very good on fourth down. Um, let's go look at things like red zone. Steelers were three for four. It's going to improve their overall average. They were 60% in terms of touchdowns, um, scoring touchdowns in the red zone. They were three for four in this game, and the Cleveland only got there once, and they did score a touchdown. Penalties, Brown were penalized seven times for 55 yards. The Steelers, six for 45. The Steelers did not turn the ball over, did not turn the ball over, and Cleveland obviously lost that with two interceptions. So they came out on the uh, the good side of the plus minus. They won those key metrics. Time of possession, Pittsburgh Steelers, 34 minutes and six seconds to Cleveland's 25 and 54. How nice was it, though, to see the Steelers at the end of the game? I called it a Bill Cowher, Jerome Bettis drive. Fourth quarter, you get the ball. There was like 12 minutes left, and they just ran it and ran it and ran it, throw to Chase Claypool, and then ran it and ran it and scored a touch. I mean, Brian, that that was vintage Steelers killing the clock. I loved it. I'm sure you did too. Yeah, absolutely. And they had earned this win from every step of this game. I got to tell you, they really, like I said before, they look dominant. Now, I want to go back to the stat you said, one for 12 for the Browns on third down. And I'm going to give Dave Schofield credit for this because he brought it up on my couch. And Dave, go ahead. What did you say? That one first down was? Actually, the person that quoted it was wrong. Okay. Because I got to thinking about everything. Technically, there was another first down. You could say on a third down play, but technically there was no play because there was that penalty, the one on TJ Watt when he thought that the clock had expired and was offside. Technically, because it was a no play, that doesn't count as a third down conversion. But there was someone who reported that on Twitter, another Pittsburgh um, media person that I'm not going to call out for that. But yes, the the only third down conversion was the screen pass where, where um, I think it was Joe Hayden couldn't quite get him down. Um, before the sticks. So, (laughs) but back to the running game, like you said, Jeff, I got to tell you this, we were calling for it. Take out James Connor. We, we wanted to see him out of this game. We wanted to see Ben Roethlisberger out of this game. I kudos to the coaching staff for getting him out of, out of there one and for trusting in Benny Snell, Anthony McFarland jr. To go ahead, be in there and move the chains, and they did. Now, you brought up the third down conversion rate for the Steelers. Here's the thing. They did not have to go all out because this game was decided a whole lot earlier. So a lot of those, they weren't in passing situations on some of those third down conversions. So it wasn't a big deal because they were playing a clock game in the second half. Yeah, no, you're right. All right, this has kind of been taken over by the news of uh, Devin Bush probably likely being done for the year. So here's my question for you all. Let's talk about this news a little bit. How do you think the Steelers should approach this situation? Um, Do you think they should try to go on the – I don't even know who's available, if there's anyone that is available. I'm not sure if there's someone worth trading for either. Brian, um, what what do you think in regards to the Steelers' approach to this Devin Bush situation? Very unfortunate. You you know Kevin Colbert's going to have his eyes open and see who was out there. The one guy that I would have looked at getting just got traded on Wednesday. Um, Kamale Correa from the Tennessee Titans. He got traded to Jacksonville because he he said, I wanted a trade. 
We've talked about him just a week or two ago, being an outside linebacker and inside linebacker who would be beneficial for him to get. So he's probably off the market because he just got dealt. But I'd be looking around, and I would see what you got. But here's the thing. Spillane came in and played well, and he was also making defensive play calls. Obviously, he is a lot better than any of us know because we are not in that practice bubble. We don't know what's going on. They love this guy enough to not give Ulysses Gilbert the third a hat. So they they know what they've got. So we've got to trust that they know what they've got. But you know they're going to be looking around. I mean, it's it's a situation where that yeah, you can try to trust who you have, but it, I wouldn't tell the team, especially looking at finance finances, to go out and make any exorbitant moves if you're comfortable with who you have. Spillane looks like his inside linebacker coach when he played for the Steelers. He looks like a Jerry Olsavsky. I mean, he's it's not just because of his skin color, it's the way he plays. All he's missing is that giant neck roll, you know? <laughs> him, he's that 90s style linebacker that give him that neck roll. But I mean, <clears throat> think about some of the other players that they brought in midseason. I mean, they had well, not even midseason. They they signed John Bostick. He just wasn't a good fit. I think that the Steelers are going to roll with who they have. They're going to roll with Spillane. They're going to get UG3 a helmet. They're going to hope and pray there's no other injuries. But we said it before the season started. If there's two positions you can't afford to have an injury, especially on defense, inside linebacker, and safety. And there we go. Inside linebackers down, done for the year. Your second-year guy who's a lot of people thought could be a pro bowler, eventual all-pro at the position, tough, tough injury. And then you have Marcus Allen. I don't know about that. I don't know about him and that experiment. But Dave, what are your thoughts on what the Steelers should do? It's really hard for us to judge without the preseason to see what these guys were doing. That's, That's a good the biggest point. thing. We were would have been shocked. You know, some people are still shocked that it was Spillane over UG3 and things like that. So, but the Steelers are seeing it. We don't know as much. I I, I still feel that for this week, they had they had an answer. Of, of what they could do temporarily. I don't know if that's going to be their plan moving forward. And I don't know that I can, I don't know that I could say there's a better option than what they have. Cause I'm still not sure what they have. And I know you're like, that's a Dave answer, but we really don't know no. how, what, what they have in these guys and what they think of them, which is the most important thing. Yeah. We don't know why UG three was the talk of training camp and then didn't even get a helmet on game day. You know, we, I don't think that's strictly special teams because last year he was a pretty good special teams player before his back injury. So we'll see how that unfolds. Bad news. Um, hoping the best for Bush that he has a Devin Bush has a good surgery and starts his road to recovery. If there's a silver lining, it's that he should be well healed and ready to go by next season. You hate to see those ACLs like at the end of the year, because Sometimes that's a nine month recovery. It could it, it could definitely put him behind the the eight ball next year. Shouldn't be a shouldn't be an issue with Devin Bush moving into this uh, off season. So we'll see. Um, all right, let's do game balls, Brian. Let's do game balls. Let's do an offense and defensive game ball. Who is the guy that you're giving an offensive game ball to? Go for it. I called him as my X factor the other day, James Connor, number thirty. Helped control that game with his running. Had another. 100 yard game we actually uh when we were doing the uh the predictions the other day you know when we did over under we said over i said about 90 yards but over 80 he got it 
and he looked really good. So James Conner, offensive game ball. Dave, what about you for offensive game ball? Um, Brian took the obvious one. That's great. And because that's who I would say it would be if I had to give it to somebody else. I mean, you're still getting some really – I can't pick out one single offensive lineman. You know, you know, like a Kevin Dotson. Give it to the whole line. Give it to the whole line. I think part of the reason that Connor ran so hard was because of the line. And, you know, it's, it's, I think they all work it together very well. So we'll give it to the entire offensive line. I'm going to give mine to Chase Claypool. Why? Because I never thought he would have a huge game and he's a big factor again, scores another rushing touchdown. He obviously has uh, four catches for 74 yards. He is dynamic. The kid just makes plays to get the ball in his hands and see what happens. Let's go to the defensive side of the ball. Brian, who's your game ball? Bud Dupree. Mm, they harassed nice. They harassed the heck out of Baker Mayfield. You know, at my house today, we had baked potatoes, a baked potato bar. And <laughs> the whole thing was we're going to eat Baker for lunch. And the reason they ate Baker for lunch was because of Bud Dupree. And he was the most harassing factor. Dave, what about you? Uh, I'll take Jeff's answer. I'll, I'll, this the although if you read the film film breakdown that Jeffrey Benedict did, you know that he's been doing a great job. Just hasn't been there making the flashy plays. Minka Fitzpatrick had his chance to make the splash play, and he took advantage of it. Let's 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 give the tip of the cap to Minka Fitzpatrick for uh, coming through and not just getting that interception, but taking it to the house. I'm gonna go with Vince Williams. Vince Williams didn't do anything in particular that was noteworthy, but don't think for a second that he isn't like the heart and soul of that run defense, you know, and to hold them, especially Kareem hunt. I mean, Vince Williams had six total tackles, three for loss. He had uh, three solos, one tackle for loss to me, he, him and Kareem hunt. They're always drawing at each other. You got to go back to last season and they're always drawing at each other. I'm going to give it to Vince Williams because I haven't yet. And by golly, he deserves it. So there you go. All right, final thoughts before we call it a show and we get to dealing with this Devin Bush stuff. Uh, Brian Anthony Davis, what are your final thoughts on this game? Guys, there is so much noise coming into this game. Cleveland has finally arrived. They are the team to take over for Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh has not beaten a team with more than one win on the year. In fact, the combined wins at that point were, I believe, uh, three wins and one tie. That's how bad that uh, that the Steelers were. Actually, excuse me, one win and one tie, it looks like. Um, so that's how bad the Steelers, uh, w- people were saying that the Steelers looked in their first four weeks and they were lucky because they had an easy strength of schedule. They played a good enough team with a four and one record and they beat them. Now this team came in with a business-like approach and you knew that they were going to go ahead and just after that interception, you knew they were going to roll. Now going into Tennessee, I have no doubts that this team is on a mission. We keep on talking how special this team is. They showed it today, guys. Dave, final thoughts? I don't know how you guys opened the show because I came on about three minutes after you started. But if you didn't do it, I, I, I mean, someone was talking about having a song or a trance in your head about you saying about how Baker Mayfield sucks. I have the song by the President of the United States um, instead of their <laughs> Cleveland Rocks. It's Cleveland sucks, 
Cleveland's. No, I don't know if they really rock. Um, yeah, but Cleveland I mean, sucks. Cleveland sucks. Oh, sorry. Um, <laughs> um, but oh my goodness, how could you not just be flying high? Thirty-eight to seven. This game was over so early. It was it, it was probably the most enjoyable game to watch all season, just because it's like, yep, here we go, here we go. And the Devin Bush thing brings you down, but you know what? The Steelers they'll they'll figure out what they want to do. They'll the you know the standard is the standard. Next man up. They'll they don't want to paint it with a broad brush. They'll figure it out. But this is a statement win. This is a statement to the AFC North. And now the Steelers need to continue to stack these wins. Couldn't have said it better. I said it in the, I, I always do my game recaps and I always kind of the headline that I find is always my general thoughts. And it was that this was like Dave said, a statement win. everyone wanted to criticize them and who they've played. Well, here you come the hot, hot dog, Cleveland Browns Steelers made a statement. And that is you might've gotten better, but you're still not there yet. And big Ben took you back behind the woodshed again and laid the smack down on his little brother. And I really do feel like for Browns fans, it is just literally like the knife being twisted in the back, like over and over and over again, because in 2004, who could they have taken? They could have taken Benjamin Todd Roethlisberger and they did not They passed on. Who did they take? Helen Winslow, the second, <laughs> the soldier. He's a soldier. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, just driving it into the, just, oh, I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Huge win. But man, does this stretch only get better? Because for me, I like big games. You know, there's a lot of people like, oh, I can't wait. They, they kind of get a game off. No, the bigger game, the better, because I always feel that the Steelers step up to the plate compared to playing teams that are inferior. They go to Nashville next week, two 5-0 and teams going head-to-head. Derrick Henry versus this defense is going to be fun to watch. After that, two M&T Bank Stadium against the Baltimore Ravens, and then finishing it up. At Dallas, this three-game road stretch is going to be critical for their success in the division, in the playoff race, all over the place. It's going to be huge. I can't stress enough to stay with BehindTheSteelCurtain.com for everything that you would need. Film breakdowns, breaking news, commentary, we've got it all. And on the pod- on the podcast side, don't just rely on YouTube. That's only literally like five or six shows. Give us Give our audio platform a chance. Wherever you get your podcasts, Google Play, iTunes, Stitcher, Anchor, Pandora, Spotify, whatever, follow us because you get my my Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Let's Ride, Dave's Stack Geek, the Steelers Retro Show with Brian and Tony, as well as all of our afternoon shows. So check that out. If you're watching live on YouTube.com, make sure you like the show. We appreciate it. Subscribe so that you don't miss anything there. Guys, 5-0. and oh. Feels real good. Feels real good. Oh, yeah. Hey, be safe, everyone. And uh, man, Devin Bush, that sucks. Horrible news. But stay tuned. We'll have more on that in a bit. Take it easy. Everyone have a great week. We'll see you.